Wow, what a pleasure to be along with you again in October of 2019. Welcome to Swing Thoughts. The next voice you're going to hear is that of uh, Tim O'Connor, mental performance coach, friend, father, golfer, coach of the Guelph Gryffindors. I'm sorry, the Hufflepuffs. I apologize, the Slytherins. Tim O'Connor. Not the Slytherins. Not the Slytherins. <laughs> they're, they're the bad people. O'Connor checking in. Yes. Feeling good. Feeling good. joy. Feeling excited. Grateful. Gratitude. Empathy. All, that, yeah. all of it. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. That's right. That guy. Of course, uh, in, in these parts, I'm known as Golf Spiritual Leader. Who calls me that? Really only me. <laughs> <laughs> As long Only as you believe me. it, young man. As Only long as you believe me. it, that's all. That's yeah. all. Uh, this program brought to you by TaylorMade and Adidas. And, you know, it's fun wearing great quality golf stuff. I mean, especially now, you know, I've got so many great layers. I, I layer up with my... You know what I have this year that I, I'd never had before? I don't know if you got it. It's a windbreaker shell with just... Like, it's got, this, it's got just the short sleeves on it. Oh, Yeah. And um, I've been wearing it this last couple of weeks because, you, you know, even if you have a couple layers, you get a little bit of a windbreak effect. And uh, all of that Adidas stuff is just great. Yeah, I played uh, a couple days ago and being October and a high of like 11 or so and yep. windy. I was layered up. Yeah, layered. And the, and the, guy, the guy I was playing with, are you doing like an Adidas shoot That's today right. or something? You got <gasps> You got a lot of three stripes going here. <laughs> Are you on your way to a photo shoot, Tim O'Connor? Because you look so good. That's it. That's it. A vision of sartorial splendor. Um, I know we're waiting for our guest, Ralph Bauer. Ralph Bauer is quietly become one of the top teaching professionals on the PGA Tour. Uh, I just read something very interesting about Ralph Bauer that uh, Ralph Bauer he has five or six tour players. Check this statistic out about Ralph Bauer. Um, he had multiple players win on the PGA Tour. Now, this article was written, I think, in 2018, February 2018. But in that year, the five golfers who hired him improved on an average of 272 spots on the wow. official world golf ranking, which is not bad from a guy for a guy from Turkey Point, Ontario. Don't you love saying Turkey Point, Ontario? I have no idea where it is. Apparently, it's between Hamilton and London. It's near Simcoe. Oh, yeah. Somewhere th near there. We'll ask Ralph for, as he joins us for a, uh, a better locator. But uh, I think Ralph has joined us. Let me see. I've got, I've got a different page up. Where's Ralph? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Ralph. Hey, all right. <laughs> hey, Ralph. Uh, welcome to the program. Can can you put your? You don't need to put your camera on. I mean, you can. <laughs> uh, let's go without it for now. I just uh, just finished the workout. Oh, you just finished oh, the workout. Okay. Huh? Well, we're listen. I haven't I haven't showered, and Tim looks. Uh, Tim's got his big glasses on. He looks like Mo Green from The Godfather. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> but I, I worked out too. But this is a podcast, uh, Ralph. So you know we don't have to worry about. Uh, we yeah, no one's going to see on it but us, Ralph. <laughs> All right. All right. That was grudgy. Well, All guys, right. thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Whether, whether we see you or not, it's awesome to have you on the on the program. 
I, I mentioned I just read an arm. By the way, yeah, and welcome, Barry. We appreciate you being here, Ralph. And, and you know, you know Tim. I don't know if you know much about my background, but we're golf nerds. This, this program's been on for now. In the world of podcasting, we are we're well down the road. And most people just started podcasting yesterday. In fact, I can't. But by, by the time this show's over, Ralph will have his own podcast. But we've been doing this for about three years, and uh, we just like diving into mostly the mental side of the game, as you know. But always uh, open to having a. A conversation about how people function in the world of golf, and uh, we certainly appreciate you being with us today. Yeah, great. You know, I love your stuff, and uh, looking forward to it. I uh, I was reading just a few minutes ago that you sort of got into coaching in an interesting manner, and I think the quote I read was, "You got into it because you couldn't find any coaching that you liked, or you thought coaching had some holes in it." Well, you know, uh, growing up years ago, I think people uh, either made it or they didn't make it, and coaches didn't seem to have a big impact on on their you know their uh, career kind of trajectory. But uh, so kind of you know after I kind of quit golf, I I can't really say I retired because it wasn't successful enough to retire. I just kind of quit competitive golf, and I uh, you know kind of looked back on it after a couple of years and thought, hey, maybe I, I'd kind of like to be the kind of coach that we never had growing up. So that was my initial so what did, you, when you say the kind of coach you didn't have growing up I mean the modern golf instruction slash coaching model is pretty relatively new the way that guys like you have in, an impact on not only competitive players but all kinds of players what is it that was missing well I, I don't think uh, you know instructors back you know 30 years ago you know thought much about how the body you know performs you know, outside of golf to help it, you know, perform optimally, you know, inside the game, right? So I think a lot of people were spinning their wheels because they didn't really understand how, you know, the hips worked, how the shoulders worked, you know, how that all ties into, ties together into, you know, playing better golf. So did you, did you study like kinesiology, Ralph, or how did you learn about how the body works? So, I mean, that, I, I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, I was at Team Canada for a number of years, and, and uh, you know, I got to work with. I've probably worked with twenty PhDs in, in various, um, you know, er, you know, their, their areas of expertise. You know, from, from the sports or, or from the, uh, you know, mental side to the, you know, the physiological side. And um, you know, I'm pretty lucky too. Probably the, of the top five trainers in the world, four of them are, are very good friends of mine. And that's kind of when I'm on the road. Those are the type people I tend to gravitate towards, and you know, hanging out with, and have lunches with, and you know, I get to I get to watch the best players. I spend about 30 weeks a year on the PGA Tour, so I get to see the best players in the world work out, warm up, you know, go to the gym with with some of them. You know, I get to see them kind of up close and personal what they do on a day to day basis, and and then see how that translates into performing on the golf course, which uh, which is kind of cool. So it would be fair to say, Ralph, that your approach, which I've witnessed as you've worked with our we, our University of Guelph golf team, your daughter plays, Rachel plays on our team, and we're fortunate to uh, have you for, for a practice, and you and I have talked a lot. But the conversations that you and I have generally had and what you brought to our practice was less about mechanics and seemed to be more body-centered. Um, I don't think you gave out one what we might call a tip to anybody there. It was more about alignment. So could you maybe explain, kind of connect the dots around 
your sense of how the body moves and how to move optimally in trying to hit that little white ball? Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> optimally is a fancy word, but I, Thank I, you. Think we'll, <laughs> I think we need to, you know, what we can control, we got to do a great job of, right? We can control our setup. You know, it's not super cool, but, I mean, if you've got, you got the best setup you possibly can have every single time, you're going to get better, right? So why don't we focus on that? You know, uh, Brooke, your trainer at Guelph, did a great job with, with the team, you know, giving them a, a warm-up, right? And, uh, you know, the, the average tour player is going to warm up for 35, 40 minutes in the gym before they go to the range. The average, you know, golfer is going to take four or five practice swings on the first tee and then hit it. Yeah, maybe. Right? Maybe. Right? And then they hurt their back and they wonder why, right? But um, I just think that if we could all do a better job of, you know, warming up before we go play, you know, and then – when we're practicing, you know, focus on having a good setup, you know, we'll, we'll be in pretty good shape. Um, it's interesting we got right because I, I wanted to relate this to the average player who listens to our show. I don't know what their handicap would be, but they're not plus sevens like the guys that you deal with. But that's interesting that you said, you know, the average person gets four or five practice swings. They go to the first tee. So our guys are somewhere in between that. We have a lot of avid players listening. So set up, even though, as you said, it's not a sexy subject, we all want to do, you know, the, the big swings. But isn't it interesting that in the off season when Nicholas would come back, he and his longtime teacher, Nicholas would just say, okay, you know, let's start again. And he start with setup and ball position and hands on the ball. And, and those basic things that, as Nicholas said in his book, 90% of what happens in the golf swing happens before you take the club away. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, I've been lucky to work with a bunch of good players. Um, one of the guys I worked with for a few years, you know, had won a U.S. Open. And I remember walking down the fairway with him one time, and we were talking about his setup. And um, he said, Ralph, my whole career I can count on one hand the number of times it wasn't setup related, <laughs> that I had a problem that wasn't setup related, right? And, you know, you might think you're you're fixing something in your swing, but, you know, for the most part, it's going to trickle back. Like, if you just keep – peeling off layer of layer, but why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And you get to the bottom of it. You know, normally it's it's set either setup related. I find there's three things, either setup related or it's a, you know, your body's not able to move the way it should be moving, right? Or you've got a, a bit of a misconception about the golf swing, right? So if you, you know, kind of control those ones, then we'll, we'll be in good shape. But no, I'm, I, 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 I've been kind of lucky. I've I've been a PGA Tour coach for 12 years. You know, you mentioned what average golfers like. The guys I t- tend to work with are plus seven handicaps, so they're pretty good. But I would say, hey, if 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 I can come up with something that's going to help their game, it's going to help your game too. A lot of times, set up people. You know, think of it as a bunch of different. Usually, they just think about the way they set themselves up. But a lot of it is ball position and aiming. Because I can tell you, as a player that has struggled to, uh, you know to identify the critical thing I should be working on, it usually comes down to I'm aimed to further right than I think I am, and it does something weird with where my eyes are seeing the ball as I come into it. Because if your eyes are looking right, in in my case, they look tend to look a little right as I come into the golf ball, it brings a lot of other things into play that you wouldn't consider if you weren't watching for it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned about the vision, so... 
I'm going to give myself a little plug here. I've, I started a uh, uh, the best. I, I definitely consider the best vision program um, training for golf in the world. So what we do, you know, if you think about other sports, like you think about hockey, you think about a guy who's got great vision because he can see the ice well, like a Gretzky or, you know, or a Crosby. It's hard to measure that. But, you know, with, with golf, what happens is, uh, to, to give you an example, if I ask a, a good player, I'm like, hey, if you go to the golf course and you see the line well that day, how do you play? For instance, how do you play if you see the, the line well that day with your putting? When, when, you're, when you're playing well, it seems like you see the line incredibly well. Right. Or, or conversely, I think when you see the line incredibly well, you play well. Right. Right? So, mm. so, so what most of us do is we go to bed at night. And we hope the next day we see the line very well, right? Rather than rather than training it. Other sports, I've I've been fortunate to to work you know across the multitude of sports. I I was lucky. I got to live in the athletes' village in the Olympics for you know eight nine days you know in Rio, and you know other we're, we're, golf is so far behind with vision training to other sports. Saying fun, right? So. Uh, you know, I've created a cool kind of a cool program where we get, you know, screened by an optometrist, you get screened by an optometrist. We do online, you know, vision training with uh, kind of the same thing that fighter pilots will go through that same program. I think 10 MLB teams are using, this, you know, the same t- type of vision training that, that I that I've. Uh, so in a nutshell, Ralph, what is it training your vision to do? See the line better? Well, see the line better for sure. To, to, to be able to track your eyes along the line would be would be one, you know skill the other one would be to make sure that you know your perception of a 20 footer actually ma- matches the reality of a 20 footer what what are most, most people mismatch oh it's 50 50 most are either most either perceive it as like an 18 19 footer or as a 21 22 footer which is really becomes a problem you know later on in the round when we get tired and you know rather than perceiving it as a 19 footer like we normally do we're tired so now we perceive it as a 17 footer so we have one of those rounds where we just can't get the ball to the hole. Well, right. it's because your eyes are tired, right? And it's shocking to me that, I mean, you see baseball hitters are working on this like crazy, right, trying to read the spin off the pitch, right? And, you know, tennis players are working on this like crazy. Um, you're going to have to help me out here for a sec. The, the young third baseman from uh, the Blue Jays, what's his name? Um, uh, Vladdy? Right. Okay. Um, or you mean Bichette? You know, no. Oh, is Bichette third baseman? Uh, Isn't Bichette? Not a, you're enough? not talking to ardent baseball fans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, when watch the game, and boy, his reaction, like he's not the, the fastest guy, you know, on the field for sure. But boy, he had a great reaction, right? And, you know, to me, it just looked like he was reading the, 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 the uh, ball off the bat a little quicker than everybody else, right? Mm. And... And, and you know is an outstanding player as a result of that, but or partly as a result of that. But you know, in golf, we're just not getting there till now. So, Ralph, when you talk about training golfers, now we're talking about we were talking about putting a moment ago. So, with our golf team, you were working particularly with our girls on reading. So this is something Howard and I have talked about with Carl Morris is coming down kind of halfway down the line on the low side and reading it from there is that kind of what you're talking about as well yeah i mean that's part of it i mean i just think it's, it's super important like what we talked about that that day was um you know sometimes you look at a, at a putt uphill and you look at a putt downhill 
and you'll get different, you'll get a miss, you know, you get yeah. two different views of it kind of, and you're not sure what to do. You know, you'll, you have to have a rule of thumb. O- always trust the uphill read. You know, you, you've always got a better view of the contour if you're when you're looking uphill. Right. Sometimes looking at downhill isn't even, uh, you know, um, isn't even a good idea. So just read it uphill, right? We've only even so if it's time. a downhill putt. Well, you're right. If it's if it's downhill putt, I think what we should do is we should, you know, let's say you got an eight footer downhill. We should read it from up, uphill, looking at it from uphill and from the side, right? And then we should come in behind it, right? We stuff the like if you're going to use a let's say a line in the ball or whatever, you're still going to look at it from behind, but just not ready to reread it, just to kind of make sure you you pick a spot where you're trying to roll it over or you know a spot beside the hole or however you're going to use your eyes to to line up the the, the putter. But we're not really reading it from there we're, we're going to read it from that pill let me if i may just interject to that just a quick because carl morris who's a friend of the show and, and a mental performance guy and a, tra- a golf coach you know he, i i used to put a line on my ball and then i read his book and we talked to him and, and he's not a big line on the ball proponent his theory being that it it can sometimes skew the way you read the putt and also you get too focused on the line and not the whole putt as a sort of an organic experience yeah you know obviously he's got a lot of experience um not trying to you know uh pull a rank the 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 guys i've worked with on the pga tour have averaged um pretty close to 0.7 shots a day improvement through by working with me right so which which is is the, the difference between finishing 125th on my list or 30th, you know, or 30th or first, right? So we don't always use a line, but for some people that aren't good at um, lining up the putter without it, it, it it's, it's very, very helpful. I, I had a couple guys who, you know, were statistically among the worst putters on the PJ Tour and, you know, got them to above average, with and, and using the line was, was was certainly a part of, of their you know improvement it's different for everybody um i find a lot of people don't do a good job of what when they put the line in the ball they don't do a good job of putting the putter down mm-hmm. to match up with that right you know yeah. and then they get over it and then they um you know they get over it and they get you know confused as, as to which one to trust the putter or, or the ball right, right? but it's what we do. The putting the putter down behind the ball is a skill. Like you have to learn how to do that. And most people don't even don't pay attention to it. They're, they're just kind of looking at the hole while they're putting the putter down. Right. And they look back at the, at the ball and the putter and they're like, wow, this, this looks messed up. I'm not going to use the line anymore. To me, when people say they're not going to use the line anymore, what they're like, Hey Ralph, I don't like using the line anymore. What I'm hearing in my head is I'm too lazy to put it down properly. Oh, is it also so? I think what you're saying, Ralph, is that in putting, as in the long game, it's also just, hey, people are misaligned. Yeah, well, people don't line up very well, which is good for me because it keeps you know if people have bad habits, that's great because then I can kind of go every week and correct them, right? And gives me give makes a kind of a career out for me, so which is great. Well, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I smile when you said lazy because, you know, sometimes, like for a long time in competition, it seemed when I was using the line, 
and I got, you know, decent at it. I found it better from 10 feet in than, say, a 30 or 40 footer. But what I did miss when I took when I stopped doing it is what you just said is even on a longer putt. I used to have this comfort knowing that the line of my putter and the line of the ball seemed to be matched up. But I don't know. I just it's like. It's partly laziness. It's partly like in an average round of golf, am I going to go back and reline it up and reline it up? But it is something, like you said, I I almost rarely see tour players not use a line. Yeah, and, you know, I think the the average person, the the line is too thin, so they have to be too perfect with it. Um, You know, I I prefer, if if that's the case, that's fair, then why don't we use use the logo? Right. Or another thing I like to do is, is with players is just use a hand drawn line, which is, you know, imperfect by, you know, by you know design. And then you don't feel like you have to be as, um, you know, precise with that. Right. You know, when, when you when you watch the um, gentleman when you US open last year, uh, he had, you know, a, he had his logo on the on the ball. Right. And then a hand drawn, um, you know, line on, on top of the logo. And he just used that. Oh, which, interesting. Which was a, a good idea he got from a putting coach. So what about when you, you, you start working with these tour players, and do you still work with average golfers, or are you just exclusively a uh, tour coach? Yeah, you know, so to, to me, I, I learned this a long time ago. It, it doesn't really matter who you are. Your, your golf game is super important to you. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're – if you're trying to make the President's Cup, it's super important to you, you know. But if you're trying to, you know, people's recreational time is is, is very valuable and, and super important to them, right? So, I, I like working with people that, you know, are, are you know are trying to get better, and I and I treat it, you know, pretty seriously, right? And I uh, know I have a lot of fun with it, but um, I do find though that working with tour players kind of scares off the average person. And why is you that, know, like, Ralph? Yeah, well, way. I feel like. First of all, taking golf lessons is scary. Like, I'm literally standing behind you and judging you, right? <laughs> judging your golf swing, right, at least, right? And, you know, I, I used to get very nervous teaching golf lessons until I realized that, wow, the pupils are way more nervous, you know, th- than I'll ever be, right? And I, I feel like, you know, sometimes it's, it, you know, certainly not trying to be intimidating, but, you know, it could be a little intimidating because people are like, well, you know, he works the tour players. You know, I'm just a six handicap and... Really, I'm just trying to, you know, hit better bunker shots or, or whatever. They're, 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 That's they're, right. They're, just fix to hold something. Them back. I need you to fix Pardon. something. Yeah. People have a problem. They want to, you know, fix, and then they want to go home and have fun, you know, and, and not have that problem anymore. Right? So, you know, I, I certainly enjoy that. Uh, problem also have is I do travel a bit, or you know, and um, people, you know, in today's society want a lesson on Tuesday, and they don't really care that, you know, you're, you're at the U.S. Open on Tuesday, right? So they, they kind of gravitate somewhere else. Well, the reason I asked you if you still work with regular people is because mostly we're being listened to by regular people that just want to get a little bit better. A couple things for you to consider. Like, I, I can tell the I, – I tell the average person that, you know, you have to be reasonable in your expectations because, you know, it's a lot of – There's a lot invested in getting better at this game, and most people don't want to invest it. The second thing I'd ask is, I'm not sure if that was a question, but the second thing I'd say is, if you are working with a regular person, what what do you see besides setup when somebody comes to see you in terms of 
the things that an average person can make a huge difference in once you get them set up correctly? What are some of the misconceptions they have, as you as you said about the golf swing? Uh, okay, so one of my favorite things to do with with uh, teaching is to uh, you know take a look at a player. You know, they'll be hopefully they'll be honest with me and they'll say like, listen, Ralph, I I basically have fifteen twenty minutes a week to practice, right? So how can I make the most effective use of my 15, 20 minutes, right? And that's kind of fun for me. And for the most part, though, and, um, you know, Tim can attest this. So, so Tim, you know, is doing a great job at the University of Guelph. They've got a uh, – he's got a, a local trainer who's, uh, you know, really, really good, really good. And, you know, he gave the players what he calls an executive warm-up, which, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it, it took us five minutes to do. That's it. Yeah, so – you know, he gave them a nice little five-minute warm-up that, you know, it's pretty easy to do. It's going to, you know, activate your glutes and all that kind of stuff. And um, that was just kind of a joke about Tiger. But anyways. Um, <laughs> I got it. That, 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 <laughs> now we got it. Wasn't, wasn't very timely. Yes. wasn't very timely. Yeah, no, no, it was timely, back, you know, eight years ago. But it's a good reference. <laughs> it, it kills it every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, <laughs> okay. You know, but, but if the right. average person, honestly. We can like, talk about comedy and timing later. Maybe I'll give you a couple lessons, Ralph. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if the average person could spend five minutes warming up, you know, it would negatively impact, you know, chiropractors' business because, you know, they wouldn't have as many people to, to see. But, boy, they, they'd, they'd play better golf. And, you know, I, I would say that that's the main thing. You know, if I'm working with, like, let's say really good juniors, I'll, I'll give them a warm-up to do. Right, and these are people who are you know trying to be college athletes, and I've told Tim this. You know, uh, approximately one in ten people will listen to me. You know, one in ten of those kids will listen, right? And then, um, but but really, really, they just need. I, so you're asking a question. I, I think the average person, you know, stretch a little bit before they go play would 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 be massive. Well, you know, it's funny. Is I'm sorry, Tim. You know, I, I go to range with you know. I'm, I play a lot of tournaments, but even at the tournament level I play at, you know, you don't see a lot of guys, and I'm, I'm playing with mid-am guys, and I'm playing with senior guys. You still don't see a lot of guys doing much. Like, I, I have about a, I don't know, five- or six-minute routine that I do before I even take a golf club out. And I'm really one of only a few guys that do anything. Like, you see guys will take two clubs and stretch and put it over their heads, but... It's weird. You don't see a lot of guys like get on the ground and do some stretching, and and you'd think that that would be such a, a low hanging fruit, as they say. Yeah, you know, low hanging fruit. I, I like using expression. Like we're always trying to, uh, <laughs> we're always trying to, you know, pick the easiest thing to do, right? Like that's going to make have the biggest impact, and, and you know that that's certainly one of them for sure. You know, and then um, you know, learning how to fade the ball, learning how to draw the ball is important. Right, because uh, we get on the first hole, and you know, really, we're gonna, we have to either fade it or draw it off the first tee, right? So we, we want to practice, you know, some of those and, and make sure we have a pretty good understanding of you know how that works. Well, Ralph, it seems that to me that a lot of what you're talking about here, you talked about the juniors. You, you you give them instruction. You're obviously a PGA Tour coach. One in ten listens to you. You know, you're telling them to warm up, but they don't. I think that's not much different than the average amateur too that their attention generally goes to mechanics, that they're going to find salvation in some kind of move. Uh, they're going to move their body, a body part in a certain way or sequence or something like that. And I, I don't know, how do you, 
I don't know. How do you react to that? That's the world that I think that we're in is this, this culture of, of, of fixes and things. So how do you put across what you're trying to do? Yeah. So here's this kind of interesting story. I don't know if it directly relates to that, but I'm not sure if it's true or not, but apparently uh, Pete Cowan, who's a, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Yeah. He, you know, had a room full of, of people and, and, you know, this is sec- coming up from to me secondhand, so it may not be true, but probably is. Oh, we're in for a room good full stories. Of people, and he said, <laughs> perfect. Okay. He, you know, had a room full of people, and he's like, hey, how many people here realize that if you exercise every day, you'll live a healthier, longer life? You know, and they all put up their hand. And then he said, how many people here exercise every day? You know, and 10% of people put up their hand. Mm-hmm. And he said, if, if I can't get you to do something that's going to extend your life and, and make you happier – how the hell am I going to get you to do a, like practice a golf? That's a great story. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, the funny part is about that is, you know, if people, people are probably more likely to practice something in golf than, than to do the other. But the, anyways, to, to, to kind of get back to my point about getting people to listen, I find, I, I find that if we tell people why they're warming up, like I tried to do with Tim with your team, like I said, okay, here's why we're, here's why we're, we're not just warming up just because of, it's generically going to help you better. I find if, if I take somebody's golf swing, let's say they sway going back, right? And then I say, okay, the problem with – the reason you're swaying going back is because your T-spine's tight, and here's a, a warm-up that's going to you know help you mm. with that. Then they're going to be more empowered. They're going to be like, okay, well, I have to warm up because that's going to fix my golf swing, mm-hmm. right? But if I just say, hey, you know, this might help with injury prevention – this might help with this, might help with that, right? I don't blame them for blowing me off. i got to be specific and say, look, here's, here's, here's what warm-up you need to do, and here's why, and here's how it's going to directly benefit your golf swimming. And then if they decide, hey, I don't want to do it, you know what? Great. But, you know, that, that'd be kind of, you know, kind of silly to, at that point to, to blow it off. You know, I think an interesting thing I'd like to pass on is my own uh, experience with this. So, we had a practice. We yeah, were then so you forth- came over to my house one time, and we, we worked on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I still felt sheepish going to my golf course. So you taught me this, this uh, warm-up, and generally it starts with, well, with Brooke, it was doing figure eights, just walking in figure eights. So in a way, I kind of felt like I was a drunk, you know, just <laughs> trying to stay you know, upright, yeah. walking around in like this figure eight. And then it's jumping up and down just straight up and down and turning my hips one to the left, you know, a couple more hops yeah. to the right. And uh, I'll admit, I felt kind of weird on the range doing that. So at Blue Springs, <laughs> there's this upper range and then these, all these big trees, Ralph, I went yeah. behind the trees. So no one would see me doing my but little but warm up. Wait a second, Ralph, but don't you, Tim, don't you think it's crazier that you're jumping up and down and doing figure eights while hiding? <laughs> don't, you're like, people are like, you, you become even more self-conscious. You're like, well, who's that? Is that Tim O'Connor jumping up and down behind a bush? Yeah, no, I'm going to take it up doing? with my, I'm going to take it up with my therapist and my men's group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, so the, you might need a hug after that. Oh, one. absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'll need to like, I'll need to check in. Um, <laughs> No, but I think, you know, that's what essentially, you know, a lot of people are contending with. They feel weird doing things, and I'll admit that too. Um, but what I will say is that, so that was a Friday. We did that with you and Brooke Benny, our trainer, the warm-up. And then the um, we also did a really interesting 
created kind of a practice station, if you will, with three alignment rods. And the one alignment rod, uh, I'm Ralph, you tell me if I'm on the mark with this. One alignment rod in front of the ball along your target line. And then on that target line, about 20, 15 feet out, you put a rod in the ground, like vertical, so that when you step behind the ball, you're looking down that alignment rod, that alignment rod on the ground and the one sticking out, and then another alignment rod along sort of uh, your toe line. And from doing that warm-up and then that working from that practice station, I had one of the best ball-striking rounds of my of my uh, year doing that. Um, so it just, it just makes so much sense, but it takes a degree of effort to do it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, I got into teaching and, you know, I had uh, kind of a friend sign up for a, a series of four lessons. Right. So first lesson went great. You know, I thought the second lesson went great. Right. He shows up for third lesson. He's like, Ralph, these lessons are great. This is the first time I've ever t- taught in my life. Right. And he's like, I was like, well, how much better have you gotten? He said, I haven't gotten any better, but I like hanging out with you. You're a good guy, and and uh, this is this is great. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work if I'm just relying on you know my jokes because they're not that great to to make a living. So what I did is, <laughs> I I thought, well, you know, what always helped me when I was playing is I would you know take some spray paint and draw a line on the ground. I'd use like uh, water-based spray paint, and I'd draw you know just draw a line on the ground and hit shots off of it. Right, so it just gave me a better target line awareness. So I thought, well, hey, if it works for him, it works for me rather. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him to do it. And I had some paint. So for the third lesson, you know, I did that. And he's like, Ralph, you know, by the end of the lesson, I could tell it, just the light went off, and he learned how to fade it and draw it just by hitting shots off this line. Right. So I've been kind of writing that for the last 25 years, right, and it's, and it's gone pretty well. Now, you know, I can't really use uh, uh, spray paint anymore. So I've got kind of like a really super thick uh, Sharpie that I use because, you know, what you described is great. But but the, the if you break it down to its basic form is I want people to hit shots off the line and know where the actual target line is, because most people don't, you know, like like Howard said earlier, hey, when we're playing great, we see the line very well, you know, whether we're putting or full shots. So why don't we kind of train that all the time? You know, so, so that's kind of where that came from. Well, you know, and, and it's funny because I haven't had this game a long time myself. Oh, it, can, I, can I back up for yeah, one second? Yeah, please back up. So, uh, so I'm just going to finish the story with, with this gentleman. So when I the, the first year I got to coach at the Masters, first thing I did is I bought a hat. And then when I got home, you know, I gave him, I gave him the hat for, uh, you know, taking a leap of faith and, and you know, being, being my first uh, student. So that was kind of cool. That Sorry. is very cool. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is about 25 or 30 years ago, I'd be on a range and there'd be nobody with any kind of alignment rods. And I remember there was an old pro at the course I worked at, where I played at. And he would he would tell me, he would we'd be looking at what I thought were pretty good players, and he'd say, that guy's got no chance, and that guy's got no chance. And I'd say, why, pro, why? And he said, if you can't aim, you can't play. And none of those guys could aim. And he used to always, he would, the guy I'm talking about, Tim, is Joe Rice, but he would always harp on me. He would come and watch me hit balls because he thought I was a decent player. And he'd say to me, you think you're aimed here, but this is where you're aimed. But, of course, now there's not a, every range I'm on, including myself, somebody's got, somebody has alignment rods down. I never hit a golf ball without having a, a rod on the ground for some reason. And those, yeah, again, I was told- 
But I was going to say, for, for people who want to improve and they don't do those things, it's hard to improve if you don't know where you're aimed and then, because then you don't really know where you were intending the ball to go. Yeah, you know, if, if, you've, if, you, if you have a good gun, you want to line it up properly. And if you're not lining up properly, you better hope for a crappy gun, right? So um, obviously it's super important. You, you know, typically with, with the, the guys I work with, we'll, we'll, we'll put a, an alignment rod down, do, do some block practice to start with, and then near the, near the end of the uh, session we'll, we'll pull it up and – you know, to do some, uh, you know, some more random practice where we're just, right. you know, going through full routine. I always tell people, put a rod down or go through a full routine every time. Either way, I don't really care. Nobody's going to pick the latter because it's a little harder. So that <laughs> yeah. way. It's tedious. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, you know, it's interesting you say that. There's one guy in the PJ Tour I see week in and week out, shot after shot, going through his full routine on the practice range. Corey Connors. You oh, know, yeah. I don't see who I don't he's know if you've seen okay. his ball striking stats. He's last year he led in greens regulation, I think, and proximity. And this year I think he's second or first or second again. I mean, the, the, he's a ball striking machine, you know. And I told another tour player, I'm like, hey, Corey does this every single time. Why don't you do it? He's like, that's a lot of work. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, um, okay then. <laughs> Wasn't one of my students, it was just somebody like what was just a our student's client. But you know, I'm like, wow, okay, that's that's an interesting. Uh, take on your profession i'd say gosh yeah, yeah. Well, well ralph is is one thing so coming back to this alignment piece and vision when you're lined up correctly and you have a good setup is it kind of i guess what i'm getting my head around connecting to what you're saying about you knowing how the body works is that when and again i'm going to go back to that very nice word i used earlier optimal <laughs> when you're set up right does it just put yourself does it put your your body in a place where it can work in an optimal way to propel this golf ball to your target. And it's, then it's less about, you know, having to fixate on mechanics. Does the body just react better when you're lined up? Yeah, it does. Now, now, you know, we need to jumpstart that learning curve though. So what, what, what I like to do, let, let's say the, the, the person's got, a, you know, has warmed up now, Right. And, and now they've got a good setup. Right. So we're off. You know, we're, we're in a pretty good start here. Now they've, they've probably got some swimming flaws that are based on, um, you know, corrections that they had to use, you know, in, in the past. Right. right. So for, from their old setup. So we need to kind of eliminate those as fast as possible, you know, pre- preferably in, in a half hour. Right. So th- then what I like to do is give somebody a drill. Like, let's say they were lined up to the right, so they were hanging back too much and, you know, kind of flipping it, right? Now that we've got a good setup, but they're still hanging back, right? So then we might get them to do like a like a one-step baseball drill, like where we uh, – like a, like a Padre Carrington, I call it drill, because, you know, he's pretty good at where he'll lift the left foot up and replant it and drive forward, right? So All right. We, we need to have a good setup, and then we need to give – you know, then, then we need to have a direction with, with our swing because, you know, as you guys talk about, you know, the, the, you know, the swing takes, uh, you know, just over a second. But, you know, sometimes in our minds, it seems like an eternity, right? <laughs> we need something to, yes. we need something to think about in, in there. And uh, by the way, yesterday I played, got, played a quick nine with uh, a metronome going the whole time. Nice. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah, it was kind of cool. So what I did is I, uh, I'm feeling there's this like little putting device you can get and it measures how 
long your well one it has a bunch of metrics one thing is how it measures how long your actual stroke takes right wow. so i i measured my actually i did this with 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 uh had with adam on, on uh, a couple weeks ago but that would be adam we measured it. yeah <laughs> so i did it with a few other guys too it works pretty well so so i thought hey i might about if worked with them you know hope probably worked for me so i i measure along my stroke chuck right and then i set the metronome uh to that number right and then you know hit some pots and boy it felt great and then i thought well you know what i'll just you know just play the whole round of golf with it i always play golf by myself so i can do these kinds of things and uh you know it was, it was it hit it hit some you know great shots made some you know really nice pots it's not legal unfortunately but uh you know it's was, it was, it's fun exercise to go through well i think what tim was kind of leading to and I kind of get what you're saying, Tim, and I and I believe that yeah, if you are set up more correctly and you've got a better, you know, your body's ready to go, you'll make a better golf swing. But you know, you can, you know, one of the things that people grapple with, myself included, is what should I address first that will make the biggest difference, depending on what your goals are for the you know for the average person. You know, they just want to play a little bit better. For someone like me, you know, I want to compete better. And so that's one of the it's things. It's the same thing, though. Like, like so here, here's, you know, here here would be a quick tip that I would give anybody that's going to work for anybody. You ready? Yes, here's sir. Beauty. Okay. So here's what we do. We, um, we practice uh, setting up without a club in our hand. So... Do you, either of you guys have reflective technology at your house? You mean uh, like you mean a, a mirror? A mirror, yes. yes. See, <laughs> yeah, we're mirror, we're so. both so happy we got that. Yes, <laughs> Coach yeah. Ralph, is it a mirror that you're saying? <laughs> okay, well, for, for those people that don't have, you know, full-length mirror, you know, at nighttime, your windows, interestingly enough, you know, uh, through the magic of science, kind of become the same thing, right? So, anyways, without a club, you know, if somebody, invariably in the first lesson I have, uh, with, with anybody, tour players, doesn't matter. You know, if their setup is not perfect, I ask them to set up to a ball, to an actual ball with no club in their hand. And whenever they do it, doesn't matter what, what level of golfer they are, they set up much better. Maybe not perfectly, but much, much better. Usually perfectly, right? And then I take a picture of them, and I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty good. He's going to beat that other guy. You know, the picture of, of them setting up before every time, right? And they all agree. So, you know, a great tip would be to, you know, set up in front of a mirror, right? Set up first and then look in the mirror to check it. And it's going to work for everybody, for, for anybody. Like, like it, uh, with, with the guys I work with on tour, I try to get them to do that maybe at the start of every session and then about 20 golf balls in, do it again. And then they, I feel like they're in pretty good shape. Well, that's very interesting, sir. Um, Is it? I, I got to ask, does that, what does, what does that help prevent? Okay. So here's, 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 you guys are, are both uh, deep thinkers. So, so here's, here's well, what I get from that. Yeah. People, uh, I don't know if they would describe us that way, Ralph. We're deep. Okay, something. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay, it's so, deep, but a mile wide. Nonsense. You know, when, when you got a club in your hand, what you're aware of is you're aware, you know, human senses being what they are, you're aware of the golf club, you know, our, our fingers have, you know, tons of, um, you know, the ability to you know sense things and and we're aware of the club when we take the club away you know we're more aware of the balance in our feet right and and the more aware of what what our body's doing so 
by uh, removing the club fr- from the scenario, you're you, nobody's ever without a club in their hand going to set up with their weight on their toes, on their heels, left or right. I've never seen it. I can't imagine anybody doing it, right? And, uh, you know, so we have to practice that without a club in our hand and then, then add the club in later, right, well, once we're all set. So you're kind of looking at a dress that you – what is an optimal feeling in your feet? Kind of a evenly distributed uh, 50-50 or what? Yeah, 50-50, left to right and front to back, you know. If you want to feel just a little bit more on, on the balls of your feet, that'd be great. Should be able to wiggle your toes and pick up your heels mm. uh, without you know falling over, or moving your body too much. Ralph Bowers with us. Uh, a couple more minutes. Let's have a couple of quick questions. Uh, did you follow, uh, or are you interested in the work of other golf instructors? I know George Gankus is a big uh, name in the golf world right now. Do you hear his name on the tour quite a bit? Matthew Wolf, I believe, is his student. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm out there 30 weeks a year. I mean, I, I you know, I, I I'm not saying I have lunch with them or, or anything, but you know, I, I talk to them quite a bit. Some of the other instructors are pretty good friends of mine, right? And I think there's maybe probably a bit of a mutual respect among guys who travel that much and you know are able to help players you know play better. So, um, you know, it's not like so much I'd follow them as you know would would see them kind of week in and week out. Um, George certainly certainly having a good run right now, and he's. Um, you know, pretty pretty media savvy for sure. Oh, for sure. But I mean, I mean, in terms of like some of the stuff he's doing with his players, I mean, it, it to me it all looks like. I mean, at, at the end, you have, you've got to be in a certain impact position. The club has to be in a certain place to deliver maximum, you know, lines of compression. But I just find it interesting as a student of the game how different coaches, you know, become in, go in and out of fashion. In the end, it's. You know, it's the guys like Pete Cowan and and guys like you that are, you know, maybe, you know, Pete Cowan is another guy, a guy that most people outside of the golf world haven't heard much of. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Back to your initial question, it, it, it is interesting to watch people work on stuff on Tuesday or Wednesday and then see how that translates, you know, into performance on Thursday and Friday. Right? And sometimes you're looking and going, well, I don't think that's going to work at all. Mm. And it does. And sometimes you're like, you know, that's for sure going to work. And, you know, it didn't. Right. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting profession, you know, coaching on tour. It's uh, certainly challenging. You know, I like it because the, the guys, you know, I work with make me a better coach. Right. So, so I constantly have to be getting better or, you know, I, I won't be out there. And, and I like that performance, you know, culture, which is great. Ralph, before we let you go, I want to ask you about, um, Maybe a, a takeaway for you know the average golfer is what about nutrition? You and I had quite uh, an intense conversation at Cambridge during the when the, the women were playing in the university event there. Um, you know, what's some things you think that um, competitive amateurs can can do uh, in terms of uh, keeping their energy going during a round through uh, just nutrition and hydration, like hot dogs, beers, and stuff like that, Ralph. Which is a bunch of and French fries and shit. <laughs> yeah, so you know, thank you. Howard. I, thank I'm, I'm you. just gonna. I, 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 I guess first talking about tour players. I guess I know you asked about average players. When you talk about tour players, every person I've worked with has, you know, over an extended period of time, has improved their nutritional habits, and has resulted in them having more consistent energy patterns. You know, uh, so you know, in, improving your nutrition is 
again, low hanging fruit, get, get it because fruit would be a good thing to eat on the golf. Yes, course, we get but, it. Yes. Um, uh, I got a million of these. Um, so, you know, nutrition's super important. There, there's a pretty cool, uh, it's called game changers just came out on Netflix. Um, yes. Like two days ago, you know, really, really good, uh, film. It, it just talks about, uh, talks about nutrition with athletes, you know, and, you know, I took a, a course, uh, or a, a diploma or whatever from Cornell university on, on plant-based nutrition. And it's just, I mean, people don't like talking about it, but you know, it, it's really going to, I went vegan about five years ago. And before I did, I measured how fast I could run a 5k, how much I could bench press what my club head speed was. Right. And then five years later, I'm getting, you know, obviously older and all those numbers are still way better. By the right, way, Ralph, so, I live in Toronto. It's not, it's the only it's, people can talk about nothing else but plant based food. Trust I me, know, including I my know. youngest daughter. But, my youngest daughter, yeah, my youngest daughter won't even talk to me if I've eaten a burger that day. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, you should, you know, it it really helps people maintain their energy. Like golf's unique. Like football, you can get fired up for an hour, right? Have some bunch of you know, energy drinks and all that kind of stuff, go out there and play football, right? You know, golf, we don't really have that option. So anyways, I just feel the health cycle helps a lot. All right. No, no, I'm, Ralph, because we, we're going to, Tim and I are going to do an extra 10 minutes at the end, but I just wanted to thank you and uh, appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, I'd love to meet you one day. I'm such a golf nerd. All I can think of is, oh, Ralph Bauer can help me be a plus two. Uh, for, if, if people want to hear more or know more, do you have any kind of a site where people go and visit and learn more about Ralph Bauer? You know, so I've I've got an Instagram account or, or whatever, or like a you know Twitter and Instagram, so you could find out there. I, I don't have a website or anything, All right. uh, although I, you know, I just bit of a recluse that way, I guess. But anyways, uh, you know, it's not too hard to find me online. All right, well, well listen, Ralph, sir. we really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, really appreciate, particularly just personally, to thank you for the time you've helped with. Uh, with our university team, it's just, it's, uh, we have so much gratitude that, that you would, uh, lend your, uh, really valuable expertise to our university team. Well, I think I had more fun than they did. So, <laughs> hey, Ralph, good talking to you and, uh, all the best to you, sir. Thanks. All right, guys. Have a good one. All, all right, right. Cheers. So how do we, we turn that off now? Do we do anything or he just says goodbye? He just says goodbye. Oh, he's oh, gone. There he now. is. There he's is. gone. He's yeah. gone. Um, let me tell you my, do you know my, my Pete Cowan story? No, no. I think I told you this. You know, the, I, the week I spent at the, uh, Oh Scottish, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So I, for you people who don't remember, I was just quickly, I was on the range every day at the uh, Scottish open because I, because of whatever. And I got to know the guys on the range and I got to know the European, uh, track man guy. And we're talking one day and, uh, I could see. Henrik Stenson's caddy brought Henrik's bag over and he was waiting for Henrik. And then this guy shows up and the tour, the European tour guy says to me, Hey, that's Pete Cowan. And I didn't know who Pete Cowan was. This is only two years ago. And I said, Oh yeah, cool. And he goes, no, that's one of the, that's like, he said, that's one of the best teachers in the world. I'm like, really? So, uh, we waited like 10 minutes. I'm, I'm waiting for Stenson. I want to watch Stenson hit balls. And I finally like, screw it. I'm going to go ask Pete Cowan a question. Yeah, there so you go. I went over to Pete Cowan. I introduced myself. I said, I hate to bother you. I asked him, I said, what's the number one thing 
I identify myself as a member of the media podcast, Swing Thoughts podcast. <laughs> I said, what is the biggest difference you see between, you know, good amateurs and tour players, hoping that he would tell me. And not only did he tell me, but he took out one, you know, he started working with me. Like, I like a 25-minute impromptu. And I keep thinking Stenson's going to show up, but he didn't. <laughs> and so I have like a 25-minute or so impromptu golf lesson from Pete free. Cowan, free. And yeah. then at one point he was using an alignment rod to show me how to turn. Then he, I was thinking if he takes out one of Stenson's club, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> like, I, I just thought, I had this vision. I was like, it alternate. There was so many things going on because I was like this. I was thrilled and I was excited about learning from one of the best in the world. But I kept thinking, what if Stenson shows up and I'm hitting his seven iron? <laughs> is that like, is that like, you're dancing in a in a in a pub with uh, with somebody's girl, and the boyfriend yes. walks in. Yeah, I'll, I just thought, what's Henrik going to say? And all of a sudden, Pete says, "Get out, Henrik Seminar." And anyway, uh, so I, I had a nice chat with Pete Count. I go back to the uh, ta- the uh, track man Europe guy, great guy, and he says, "I and I, I, I forgot to tell you at one point I looked to him and I I said I made the sign of take a picture." So he oh, took yeah. some pictures of Pete Cowan teaching me. Anyway, when it was over, I said to him, I said, that was amazing. He said, it was only like 20 minutes. He goes, that was $350. You know, <laughs> that was, I said, but it was only 20 minutes. He goes, yeah, Pete, that's only 20 minutes of Pete's time. Like Pete's like $1,500 an hour guy. Oh, absolutely. But it was pretty cool. Do I remember anything Pete Cowan told me? No, I do not. That part was occurring to me because, yeah, you're like, I, I know what you mean. Like, this thing's going on, and you got all this stuff going on in your head. And, oh, I should be listening. To I, should, well, I was trying is. to. I do remember. I, that's not true. One of the things he said to me, his concept was that you, and you can see him talk about this online. I've subsequently gone and researched Pete Cowan. He's amazing. But um, he, his whole thing was that you should corkscrew yourself. The backswing is your corkscrewing yourself sort of into the ground, and then mm-hmm. you unwind. But, I mean, it's interesting. You look at Henrik's... Uh, Henrik, I talk to him like we're buddies. Stenson's swing starts with a distinct shift. It does. To the right. Now, mm-hmm. the reason it's not a sway is because he shifts everything to that point and then turns. But, you know, you talk about a guy that... I've ne- I, don't, I don't travel the tour, as you know, but I, and I've watched some tour players hit balls, but... There's a noise that Henrik Stenson's ball makes that's different than all the other. Oh, absolutely. Balls. I mean, I remember that that Open Championship that he what shot sixty three or Mickelson was sixty five or something. It was sixty. Yeah, they were sixty five and sixty. Was it sixty three, sixty? Whatever it was, it was Close, insane. Very low, but but so those greens were pretty firm, and like his ball would hit. He hit like a four iron or something. Just a couple hops done. Yeah. He hit the ball so hard, so much spin. Yeah, amazing ball striker. You know, um, those guys hit it. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, um, Ralph is a really, really interesting guy. Oh, yeah. He's, Ralph's you know, a real deal, man. Like, I've met many, many, you know, gurus, uh, the Sean Foley's of the world. Uh, Ralph is, um, he's a different cat. And I really, really enjoy yeah, I listening him. to him. I do too. He's I, you. You can tell. I, I'd like to get him in person, though, because of that okay. phone. Something was going on with his phone. I found that weird. Um, no, but he's the kind of guy you can just talk to all day because he's got like your nutrition and warm up, and you know the way your spine works. Like, you know, in the in the end, 
most people, whether it's golf or, you know, really anything, you know, we're generally lazy creatures. We just don't. I mean, people talk about wanting to do stuff. I mean, I'm the same. It's like, if you really wanted to do that, why aren't you doing that? Like, he's like the, he told the story of Cowan. You know, we all know you should exercise every day, but only a fraction of people do. Yeah, well, I'm going to use it. I, I got applauded for using, uh, I gave myself plaudits. Yes. Plaudits. For, for, for optimal. Now I'm going to use the word homeostasis, which is the state of, the, is of, of non-change. Everyone wants to change, but no one really does because we're, we're up against homeostasis. And it's just a state, you know, if we did change a lot, if you look at it this way, uh, you need homeostasis in some ways, like in your body, because you don't want your, temp- your body temperature fluctuating. You know, if it went up two and three or five degrees up and then down, you'd be freaking dead. So it works that way in, in a good way, but homeostasis also keeps us from moving forward in changing behavior patterns for mm-hmm. sake of example it's so hard to change and you know it's related obviously to things we've talked about like the stories we tell ourselves shadow that type of thing but really the thing that sets ralph apart and in the two hours he worked with our university team he said it a number of times he says i'm going to tell you this and i know that most of you aren't going to do it mm-hmm. Well, I can only imagine, again, you know, and now we're at the end of the golf. For a lot of people, the golf season's over. Not me. Um, I'm playing tomorrow. Yeah, I played. Uh, dude, have I talked to you since I had? <laughs> I, I've had two things happen. Three things happen, I think, in the last two weeks since we recorded. I uh, made four birdies in nine holes. Never done that before. Like, I, I had four out of, the, out of the nine holes I played. I made four birdies. Not well, made, a- Go ahead. I think you did have that. I think we did talk about it. Weren't you like like four four under after five holes or something? No, no, that was last summer. Um, I've made seven birdies in a round, so I must have made four birdies on nine holes before, but I don't remember. So I had that happen recently. I had another thing happen. I tell you, I I had 25 putts in 18 holes. I told you on the phone. So that that was ridiculous. That's like a tour player's like best day. Like I've never had that before. I had eleven putts in nine holes. That was the day I played Glen Abbey, and I was three under on the back nine. And Oof. I had that happen. And then yesterday I played golf. So weird. Like it was a lovely day. Too. It was a decent day, a little windy, but um, I was playing along. You know, like if I'm not really doing anything spectacular, I shoot about seventy five, four, six. You know, one of those numbers. If hey, I have a great day, here. say again. Golf spiritual leader can play. So if I have a great day, I'll shoot even par. If I have a, a, a tough day, I'll shoot 81 or 82. So the other day, yesterday, I'm playing along. I'm having like an average day. I ended up shooting 75. But in that in the round of golf, I had a lot of interesting things happen. Not <laughs> The weirdest one was I sank the longest putt I've sank all year. Like, it was, I, I was so long, I literally, it was like I, I hadn't made myself a sandwich while the ball was on the way. It was 70 feet. Did you I, measure it with oh, your yeah, range finder? No, I, uh, I walked it off. it off? <laughs> I walked it off because it was so bizarre watching that ball go in. You know, it was one of those things where you're like, you know, and, and this is the last thing I'll tell you. You know, when you, you hit a putt, especially lag putting, the first thing you, you think of is, I, at least for me, the first emotion I have is, did I strike the ball Um squarely like these are all the oh, things so yeah. right away you can feel contact contact was good then you start the th- next thing i think a lot of people think is 
is it going to make it to the hole? Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that happens is, is it going to be too far? And so all those things happen in yes, this putt, no, yes, right? No, yes, no. Yeah, and, and, and so as soon as I hit the putt, I'm like, okay, that was solid, but it's so freaking long. And then it gets sort of halfway to, and I go, okay, it's going to make it to the hole. Then it gets closer, and I'm like, okay. Then you, then the last thing I was going to say is, then you get this sort of flood of relief knowing that it's going to be close enough for a tap-in. It's not going to be six feet by. So I was right. thinking all those things when the prick went in, and I was like, what? Because... You know, you're not obviously. It sounds it's trite to say you, you wouldn't expect to make it, but I was just looking for it to be somewhere near the hole, three, four, five feet. And when it went in, it was almost like it's like giddy surprise. Oh yeah, and yeah, so, no, that's fun. And I was thinking, that's the in October the twenty fourth. I think the longest putt I have all year. It's so fucking weird this game. Well, that's the kicker, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's so the, weird. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny. Well, doesn't the other the the giant of the mental performance world, Bob Rotella, say on lag putts you should always make them? Never mind this nonsense of get it like within a three foot circle. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure, your intention is to make it, but realistically, what I just described is what most of us go through, especially on really long putts. Yeah, but I love I love what you're describing in terms of like the the process of thoughts. Like, okay, solid. Okay, good. Solid content. All right. Okay, okay look at the speed. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's oh, true, though. Yeah. No. Oh. Oh. oh okay. Phew. You just okay. Tap good. I'll just tap that in. Um, <laughs> listen, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Is there a nicer person? No, there isn't. So don't even check. Uh, uh, well, Ralph's pretty nice. He came on our show. Yeah. Uh, Ralph I is great. I love his sense of humor. Was, <laughs> oh, you're shaking uh, your head. Tim O'Connor, Humble and Fred Radio.com. I'm wrapping things up. I got to go. Uh, Tim O'Connor, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Ralph Bauer, very interesting guest. Uh, Humble and Fred Radio.com. Uh, when will we see each other again? I don't know. We'll talk soon. I guess. We'll see each other next Wednesday at the oh, PGA yeah. of Ontario Expo. What are we and talking about? That'll be fun. We're going to do Swing Thoughts Live, peoples. Yeah, what? Uh, well, yeah, that's a great. Let's mention that, and we should put it on Facebook as well. Yeah, apparently the all the uh, the professionals who belong to the PGA of Ontario have all been alerted of this celebrity sighting that they can to participate. Yeah, look in. for the details. We'll tell you on Facebook when you can come uh, or when we're going to be speaking, in case some of you PGA professionals want to hear this sh- stuff live. All right, man. Yeah, well, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna talk about that stuff that goes on between your ears. All right, man, you're the greatest. You're the very nicest, and I will uh, look forward to being in your presence very soon. Yeah, well, this has been great. Thanks, man. You're your golf spiritual leader. I mean, yeah. I know that's self-appointed, but I, I see you as that. I just wanted to make sure. That Let's you're... also uh, decide if we're going to wear matching Adidas stuff. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, Tim. Bye. Bye. Bye.